Gonzaga's non-conference schedule is littered with premier programs, but are there any true trap games the Zags could fall victim to? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Locked on Zags is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use promo code locked on college for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Well, folks, it is another mailbag Monday episode here of Locked on Zags podcast. We are just a few weeks away from the start of the college basketball season. November 6th is when most of the teams in the country are getting going. Of course, Gonzaga does not start their season until that Friday against the Yale Bulldogs. Regardless, we got a plenty of fun stuff to talk about in the next couple of weeks as we get closer and closer to the start of the college basketball season. But today is a mailbag episode. Just a reminder, if you want to get involved in Mailbag Monday, there are multiple ways you can do so. You can email me andypatton013 at gmail.com whenever you are thinking of a question. You can also reach out to me on Twitter. You can also join our Discord channel. There's over 110 of us in there talking Gonzaga basketball 24-7. It is free to join. There is a link in the show notes here or on the YouTube show notes, depending on where you're watching the show. Uh, You can click on that. Join us there. Free to join again, and you will be able to ask mailbag questions in a specific channel there. All right, we're going to get right into it today. Got, got a handful of very, very good questions starting here with my guy Sentient on Discord who says, any trap games in this year's non-con similar to Kent State last year? So this is an interesting question because I talked about this a little bit on an episode last week. I know you everyday listeners caught this conversation. I also wrote about this on the ScoreZag Score blog. You can go to scorezagscore.com if you want to check out more there. Uh, and Gonzaga's non-conference schedule is basically kind of broken up into two segments. There are the really good teams. I think they have five games against Ken Palm teams ranked inside the top 30. None of those would be trap games. Those would all be just good premier marquee opponents, you know, San Diego State, USC, of course, Purdue and whoever else they play in the Maui Invitational is a handful of other games, UConn, of course, as well. And then they have a, a good chunk of games against teams that are outside the top 220 in Ken Palm's rankings, teams like Jackson State, Mississippi Valley State, Cal State, Bakersfield, home opponents that generally wouldn't fall into that trap game category because they're kind of by games for Gonzaga to, to schedule. They do have two games that are in the middle. And that's it. Two games between Ken Palm 29 and Ken Palm 218. This huge spread of teams, close to 200 teams. The only two that fall into that category are Yale and Washington. Yale comes in at number 71 in Ken Palm's preseason rankings. And I would consider Yale the biggest trap game for Gonzaga. It is also Gonzaga's first game of the season. They play them on November 10th. It is a home game, which is, of course, an advantage for Mark Few. But anytime you're playing uh, a team that's as new and inexperienced playing together as Gonzaga's team, two, three new starters, their entire bench is basically inexperienced players outside of Ben Gregg. Uh, and you're playing a Yale team that that's not the case at all. They lose EJ Jarvis. He was probably their best player last year. He transferred to Florida, ultimately decided not to play college basketball anymore. But they returned four starters who all averaged double figures last year. Bez Mebang and August Mahoney are probably one of the best mid-major backcourts in the country. 
Me bang averaged about 10.2 points per game last year. Mahoney was a little bit higher than that, but he was also 47% from deep. This is a group that can score. This is a group that can shoot. This is a group where all of the starters are experienced. They only lose one starter. Again, four guys all in double figures. And they start off the season against a Gonzaga team that hasn't played together all that much. We'll certainly have to see if Graham EK is healthy. That's a big storyline coming into that first game. But if EK is not playing and you have a Gonzaga roster that is relatively inexperienced playing a veteran team in Yale, I'm still taking the Bulldogs, and I'm still, I'm, I should say, I'm still taking the Gonzaga Bulldogs, I should say, but I, I think that this is kind of one of those games that might be a little bit trickier, might not be the obvious first game blowout that we're used to seeing from Gonzaga. The other one is Washington, and Washington is on the road at Washington, so of course that always makes things a little bit trickier. Washington came in at the Ken Palm rankings at number 78, and this is, similar to Yale, a very experienced team. Now, one of the key differences is this team has a lot of college basketball experience, but they don't have a lot of experience playing with each other. UW adds Severe Wheeler from Kentucky. They add Paul Mulcahy from Rutgers. Those two guys combined average about 10 and a half assists per game last year. Very good facilitators, very good passers, distributors, but again, have not played together outside of the last couple of months. UW also adds Moses Wood from Portland. A lot of Gonzaga fans will remember Moses Wood. Very, very efficient score, 15 points per game last year, 40% shooter from deep. I think he's a really fun addition for the Huskies. They also have Keon Brooks coming back. They have Braxton Mia in the front court. He was a, a really solid low post presence uh, for the team. Shot 70% from the field last year. So I'm not a big believer in Coach Mike Hopkins. I'm not a huge believer in the zone defense working, especially with this personnel, but this is a UW team that brought significant talent onto their roster and playing them on the road could be a bit of a trap game for Gonzaga. Those are the only two that really qualify in my mind as trap games in the non-conference. Of course, going on the road at LMU could be a trap game on the road at Santa Clara. There's some WCC games that always present a bit of a challenge for Gonzaga, but in terms of non-conference trap games, the only ones that really qualify are that season opener against Yale and that road game against the Huskies of Washington. Next question here comes from Austin via Discord. Austin says, which player will be Gonzaga's personality? For example, last year was always Timmy on the mic for the most part. Who will that be this year? This is a good question. Drew Timmy's personality was so overwhelming and just kind of out there that it really did kind of take over Gonzaga. And I don't mean that in a bad way by any stretch of the imagination. It was a good thing. Drew was very out there and outgoing and personable. And I think it really kind of put the spotlight on him more than anybody else when talking about Gonzaga basketball for the last couple of years, but he's gone. So who takes that mantle? I think Anton Watson's the team leader. He's the fifth year senior. He's the player who's been in Spokane the longest. I think it's pretty clear that that is the role that he handles, but is he the guy? I think he does get a lot of the end of the game interviews. I think that is kind of part of the, the responsibility, as it were, for, for Anton Watson. But I'm not sure if he's like how big his personality will be. I think it's there. We've seen it from him in the past. He's an intense guy. He's He shows a lot of emotion on the court. I, I think he's probably the most likely candidate to be that guy. Ryan Nempard is a crucial part of this team, of course. He's entering his third year of college basketball. We've seen him show a lot of intensity on the floor in his last couple of years at Creighton, but I'm not sure how much of that personality will translate to like post-game interviews, things that Andrew never really wanted to do. 
Uh, I don't know exactly if Ryan's the same in, in that way or not, but I, I get the impression that he's not a super like talkative, chatty type of guy the way that uh, Andrew wasn't either. So I'm not sure if it'll show up in, in that way. I think Ben Gregg has a really strong personality on this team, and I think there's a chance that his personality kind of shines through in a lot of significant ways for Gonzaga during the season, but he's probably going to come off the bench. And while I think he's going to play a really important role for this team, I'm not sure it will be enough for him to necessarily be that like big defining personality for Gonzaga this year. I'm not, I don't know enough about Graham EK and steel venters. You know, we haven't seen much of them. We've seen, you know, a few, uh, promotional things that Gonzaga has put out that include them. Uh, we've seen a little bit, you know, highlights of them from their previous stops, but I, I'm not sure I get the impression that e either of them are going to be like team defining personalities necessarily. And then the rest of the team is just too young. I think Dusty Stromer has the kind of personality that could really define Gonzaga in a few years. Like, I think he, he seems like somebody who might be kind of hated by opposing teams in a couple of years because of his very brash personality that we saw from him in high school. But I don't expect to see that being the immediate personality for this team in year one from him. But what do we expect to learn from the Gonzaga and Baylor scrimmage game? And when is Chet Holmgren going to be an all-star? We got all that coming up. But first, we got another Zag rookie to, to discuss, and we're talking about our game changer of the week, which is brought to you by the Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Julian Strother's performance in the NBA preseason, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. And speaking of good, Strother is proving why the Denver Nuggets got another steal of a first-round pick so far with the Nuggets during NBA preseason. Once again, Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. They are full of flavor and well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy them online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use promo code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. All right, folks, segment two, still Andy Patton, still Locked on Zags podcast. I want to thank all of you for making Locked on Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners checking out the show on YouTube, noticing I have a different background today as I am on vacation. Uh, again, I want to thank all of you for making the show your first listen. We got more of those player previews coming your way later this week as we get closer and closer to the start of the college basketball season. But for now, we are going to continue our Mailbag Monday discussion. This question here comes from Austin via Discord. Austin says, any intel on the Baylor scrimmage? No, to be perfect. I mean, to be perfectly honest, no. As a secret scrimmage, uh, any results that will be posted, whether the game has already happened, any updates about when the game is going to happen, I'm probably going to find out at the same time as all of you. I don't think that there's any. I'm not going to get any information ahead of time. We've seen Trilly Donovan on Twitter, Jeff Goodman on Twitter, a handful of other people on social media who have been posting these results who have been getting inside information from coaches or whoever else is kind of feeding them that information. But until we see that, until something is posted on social media, we're not going to know anything about this. It's called a secret scrimmage for a reason. My guess is this game will be played on Saturday because presumably it has not been played yet unless they have really been tight-lipped about this, which seems unlikely. So my suspicion is that the game will get played this upcoming Saturday. And after the game, we will get some kind of update. I don't know if we'll get a full box score. Some of these secret scrimmages, we've seen full box scores from them. But I think we might get a tweet that says like, you know, Gonzaga beat Baylor 90 to 87 in a secret scrimmage. Uh, Graham E.K. had 22 points. Uh, Jacoby Walter for Baylor had 28 points. And that's it. And that's all we'll get. 
like that as an example there. Uh, and so maybe we'll get a few more, maybe we'll get a couple more updates on it, but for the most part, these secret scrimmages tend to be pretty close to the chest and you maybe only find out a few different updates or maybe how one or two different players did. And as I said, with craziness in the kennel, and I'll say this again about this, I don't want to take the results too seriously, but that does not mean that we're not going to learn something. Last year, Gonzaga played a secret scrimmage. It was not as much of a secret. Actually, it wasn't a secret scrimmage that you were able to pay and watch the scrimmage last year against Tennessee. And Gonzaga played pretty bad defense in that scrimmage against Tennessee and, and ended up not looking very good. Now, Gonzaga improved dramatically throughout the season and didn't play that poorly for pretty much the rest of the year. But Gonzaga's defense was an issue throughout the year. So we did see something in that secret scrimmage or in that scrimmage, again, against Tennessee that kind of permeated throughout the season. So I wouldn't say that any results in the Gonzaga-Baylor scrimmage should be thrown out. The, the win-loss doesn't matter to me at all. It really doesn't. I think Gonzaga and Baylor are two pretty evenly matched teams. So if Baylor wins or if Gonzaga wins, I don't think that that says anything about which team is necessarily better, especially because as we've seen with most of these secret scrimmages, they're not playing everybody. I use Graham E.K. as the example, but there's a pretty good chance he wouldn't play in a secret scrimmage as Gonzaga is still looking to rest him to make sure he's fully ready for the start of the college basketball season. So if Gonzaga goes and loses to Baylor without Graham E.K., it doesn't really mean that much to me. If Gonzaga goes and beats Baylor by 25 points, yeah, it's going to be cool. We're going to feel good about that, but I still wouldn't say that that dramatically means anything either. Again, though, individual results will tell us something. If Jun Sakio has 25 points against Baylor, and plays, you know, 31 minutes. Again, I doubt we're going to get minutes numbers necessarily, but if we assume that Jun Sakio played, you know, scored 25 points and played a huge role, that probably at least tells us something about what's going to happen coming into the season. Does it mean that Jun Sakio is going to average 25 points and be an All-American? Probably not. Does it mean that our guess that he's going to be a big part of Gonzaga's team this year is true? Yes. Does it mean he could start over Steel Venters? Maybe. It maybe does mean that. So there are some things that, you know, if we do get results from this scrimmage, whatever they may be, we're going to talk about them here on Locked on Zags. And I'm going to try to break down what I think is, is particularly relevant to pay attention to, what maybe is, is less relevant to pay attention to. And, and we'll kind of try to go from there. But again, until we actually see some results, until we hear anything about this scrimmage, there's just not a lot that we can really tell you about it. Other than it's exciting that Gonzaga and Baylor, two fairly evenly matched uh, quality top 25 programs are playing each other in the scrimmage. I think at the end of the day, we do know that this scrimmage, regardless of result, is going to make both these teams better heading into the 23-24 college basketball season. Next question here comes from Garth at Garth Woldseth on Twitter, who says, how long do you think it takes for Chet to make an all-star game appearance? He says, could be, do you think he'll make one at all? But I feel pretty confident you think he's going to get there. Yeah, I think Chet Holmgren is going to be an all-star. I think he's going to become the third Gonzaga player to make an all-star game uh, out, besides, of course, John Stockton, who made a whole bunch of them during his career with the Utah Jazz, besides, of course, DeMontis Simonis, who is now a three-time All-Star twice in the Eastern Conference with Indiana, and then last year, his first full season with the Sacramento Kings in the Western Conference. So I think Chet is going to be third. I think that it's going to happen fairly soon, but I don't think it's going to be... I, I'll say this. My prediction is year three, and I'll tell you why. I think Chet is going to be a role player, and the, the phrase role player has, has been given a negative connotation in ways that I don't think that it should. Most players are role players. The only players who are not role players are like the superstars, give me the ball and everybody clear out of the way type of players. You know, Luka Doncic is not a role player. LeBron James is not a role player. Steph Curry is not a role player. 
but like most players are in some way role players. And I think the thing about Chet is that he's always proven he's more focused on doing what is going to get his team a victory than putting up individual numbers. He was like that at Gonzaga. People were stunned early in his career at Gonzaga when he was deferring to Drew Timmy. But he was like, Drew Timmy is a junior. He's scored thousands of points in this program. Like he is a really, really good low post scorer. And we're going to funnel the offense through him. And, it, and like you, you would see Chet's interviews and his conversations about this. And it just seems so obvious to him that that was part of his role was to get Drew Timmy the basketball in positions to score. And so he did that. And I think you look at the role that he's going to have with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, this is a, a really deep team. Shea Gilgis Alexander is maybe one of the 10 best players in the NBA. As a starting point guard, you have Jalen Williams, the rookie out of Santa Clara last year, who was excellent as a rookie and is now kind of going to step into an even bigger role as kind of a 3-4 hybrid for this team. You have Josh Giddy, a fantastic passing point guard who's going to play off the ball really well with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And then you have Chet. Chet's not going to be asked to score, you know, to take 15, 20 shots a game to score 25 points. That's not going to be the role that he's asked to do. And he's not going to demand the ball or get pouty if he's not scoring enough. So to me, the question becomes whether Chet can put up enough actual numbers to be an all-star. Because I think his production will be all-star caliber. I think his efficiency will be all-star caliber. I think his his defense, his shot blocking, uh, again, the overall scoring efficiency, the three-point percentage, field goal percentage, all of that stuff will be all-star caliber. And the highlights will be there. The highlights of him blocking shots that he has no business blocking. The highlights of him taking step-back threes over six-foot-nine defenders and making it look very easy. They're going to be there. So Chet will have the highlights, and he'll have the efficiency but will he have the overall raw numbers to be an all-star? And of course, you have to factor in who he's going up against. The Western Conference front court is stacked. You, of course, have Nikola Jokic for the Denver Nuggets. You have Anthony Davis when he's healthy. You have LeBron James, who's not really a center necessarily, but he's probably going to get a front court spot if he continues to make all-star games, which there's no indication that he will not. You, of course, have DeMontis Sabonis coming out of Gonzaga. Yeah, and with the Sacramento Kings, you have Victor Wembignana who's now going to be a big competitor with Chet Holmgren uh, as they're both kind of entering their rookie seasons for Chet. Of course, it's his second year as a professional, but they're, they're going to be rookies at the same time. You have Jaron Jackson Jr. for the Memphis Grizzlies. Like that's just a handful of names. There are more, there are others that are going to be competing for those Western conference front court spots. Um, and I think for Chet, he's not going to put up as big a scoring numbers as those guys most likely. So that's where I see it might take a little bit of time. I think by year three, a some of those guys are not necessarily in the picture anymore. Uh, and I think by then the Thunder are going to be a perennial like 50 plus win team, a consistent threat in the Western Conference. And I think by that point, some of the things that Chad is going to need to just work on. I, he's he's a he's not flawless. No players flawless, but it, you, you're not. You're, most players aren't at their best at 20 or 21. And so I think you're going to see Chet get a little bit better as he figures out the NBA game, makes a little bit of better decisions with the basketball. And I think by year three, he's putting up all-star numbers and finally starting to truly get recognized and starts making all-star games. If he starts making them by year three, there's a really good chance that he makes a whole bunch of them uh, before his career ends. Of course, this injury, you know, you got to assume that there's no injuries there. I know people are very concerned about Chet's injury potential because of his frame, because of his size. Last year's injury, of course, does not help that reputation, even though it was kind of a freak thing that happened to him. But if he can stay healthy, 
for the majority of the next decade. I think he's going to have plenty of all-star names, all-star games next to his name uh, when you're looking him up on basketball reference. Well, we got some Prozac updates to close out today's show, but before we get to that, we're going to talk about today's sponsor, Prize Picks. Because Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead you to big payouts like their Taco Tuesday deals. Every Tuesday, Price Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide you with even more value. And with the Price Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So for NFL games and college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. This is unprecedented in the daily fantasy space. Price Picks is the only platform with injury insurance. So this thing, it's super easy to use as well. All you have to do is you pick two or more players and you choose more or less with the given stat. So once now we got NBA coming back, you got DeMontis Sabonis. Is he going to get 12 and a half rebounds? More or less. You push more, he gets 14 rebounds. You make money. That's it. It is literally that simple. So go to pricepix.com slash college and use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, that's pricepix.com slash college. Use promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match of up to $100. PrizePix, daily fantasy made easy. All right, folks, closing out the show today with a couple more mailbag questions as we get into one of the final weeks before the official start of the 2023-24 college basketball season. This question here comes from MHU on Discord, who says, how many Zags have pursued pro careers in basketball, including coaching and playing overseas? It would be nice to know how much of a basketball factory it is for a basketball career. All of them. I mean, it's not quite all of them, but to answer the question, I'm not going to get exact figures. I'm not certainly going to go back all the way, like 60, 70 years to find this numbers. But since I've been following Gonzaga, which is about 2009, 2010. Basically every single scholarship player who has left Gonzaga has pursued a career in basketball. Most of them playing overseas, some of them going into coaching. And that's not, I mean, walk-ons too. I say scholarship players, but walk-ons. Rem Bacchimus works for Arizona and is a player personnel director. Connor Griffin works for the Denver Nuggets. Matthew Lang, who played, who was a walk-on at Gonzaga, played his final year at Arizona as a walk-on. He's playing professionally overseas. Will Graves transferred to continue playing his basketball career at Southern Oregon. Everybody who leaves the Gonzaga basketball program pursues a career in basketball. The very, very few exceptions. In fact, there's one. There's one exception I can think of, and that's Dimitri Goodson, who pursued a career in football because he graduated. He spent two years at Gonzaga. He went to Baylor. He played two years at Baylor as a cornerback, got drafted by the Green Bay Packers in the sixth round of the NFL draft, played a couple of years with the Packers, and is now a scout for Green Bay. That is one of the very few exceptions. Some of you might be thinking of the players that I forgot that you think, hey, that guy didn't, he, he went straight into something else. He never stayed in basketball. But if there are any out there, there are very few. I genuinely went through rosters, thought about players, looked them up on proballers.com. And, and, and for those of you who are longtime listeners of the show, you know that we've done some Zag in Europe updates. Basically everybody. Any remember some guys that you can think of from the last 10, 15 years, Eric McClellan, Jeremy Jones, Jonathan Williams, the list goes on and on and on. Silas Melson, Gary Bell, we spoke to him recently on the show. Of course, Kevin Pangos, Kyle Wilcher, et cetera. They all played overseas. Brian Alberts played overseas. Like everybody goes into basketball. And I would say 
in terms of the, the the second part of this question of like how much of a basketball factory is it? Most Division One college basketball programs put the majority of their athletes into some basketball career afterwards. Gonzaga is not super unique in this regard. Of course, Gonzaga is a better basketball program than say you know Cal Poly or Texas State or whomever else you want to kind of toss in there. But those programs are still primarily having their student athletes when they leave they go into some basketball career, whether they go into coaching, whether they go into working with youth basketball players, whether they do try to play professionally overseas. It's very common. People who play division one basketball want to stay in basketball. It's all they know. It's what they want to do. It is rare for players to go directly into another career. Now there are plenty of Gonzaga basketball players who are not currently in the sports world. Plenty of them. Mike Hart is an example. I know of somebody who did pursue a professional basketball career. He then pursued a coaching career, and now he's doing something different with his professional basketball career. There's a handful. There's plenty of them, plenty of them. But if we're talking about directly pursuing a career in basketball after leaving Gonzaga, basically every single one of them has done that. I can think of almost no examples of players who did not. And I think that does say a fair amount about Gonzaga, but it also says a lot about how hard it is to be a division one basketball player and how hard these guys want to continue to fight to be in that professional basketball space, whether as a coach, whether as a player, whether uh, in some other role, because that's, that's what they know. And that's what that's the game of basketball is what they want to do with their profession. And so you see them continue to do it uh, even after their time in college is over. Final question of the show here comes from Andrew via Twitter DM. Andrew says, any update on Killian Tilly? I haven't seen him in summer league or overseas. My favorite Zag of all time. Andrew, I'm with you. Love Killian Tilly. Many of you know this, but my dog is named Tilly. It is named after. She is named, of course, after Killian Tilly there. In terms of the updates for Tilly, I just, it's hard to say. If you follow him on Instagram, that's probably the best way to get some insight into what's going on. But right now it appears that he is working out and it appears that he is working out in Spokane with the goal of continuing a professional basketball career. So reading between the lines, the assumption there is that he has not signed. He is likely rehabbing from injuries. I know that his career, he was, he was most recently with the Memphis Grizzlies. He got released in part because of injuries, although he also was decently productive with Memphis when he played, but just didn't quite steal a roster spot there, ends up getting released has spent a lot of time in Spokane, been working out at the shoot 360 Spokane facility that's owned by Dan Dickow there in Spokane. And he's been back to France a few times. You've seen some posts of him there. He also recently got engaged uh, about a, a two, three, three months ago or so, I think. So perhaps he's waiting to have a, a wedding. He's going to stick around in Spokane. Maybe he's going to look to play professionally after that. This is all speculation. I do not know. I don't know the extent of the injuries he's dealing with. I don't know how aggressively he is pursuing professional contracts, whether he's only willing to play in the United States right now, whether he is looking to go back overseas. There's a lot of different factors there. It has been hard because Killian is one of my favorite players, and I have wanted to see him get those opportunities. And we saw him in the NBA. We saw him get chances with the Memphis Grizzlies, and he looked like a player who could stick in the NBA. He looked good enough to be an end-of-the-bench rotation caliber player at the next level. But because of his injury history, because of his relatively advanced age for a prospect, I think he's kind of not getting those opportunities right now. He's working hard to get back at it. Hopefully he does. I think that there's a really good chance if the NBA and the G League never come calling again, that if he wanted to, he could go back overseas and have a lucrative, lengthy professional basketball playing career, assuming he stays healthy. But for whatever reason, he is not choosing to pursue that right now. And if and when there are updates, hopefully it'll be posted on social media. We'll get a chance to see where he signs, where he goes. We'll definitely talk about it here on Locked on Zags because I'm with you, Andrew. 
Killian's one of my all-time favorites, and I'd love to see him get another opportunity to play some professional hoops uh, in the near future. That's going to wrap us up for today here on the Lockdown Zags podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out, of course, to those everyday listeners. We got more player previews coming your way this week as we continue to talk about every single player on Gonzaga's roster. We'll talk about their history. We'll talk about their best and worst case scenarios for this upcoming season. We'll end the show with their expected role and their future in Spokane handful of those coming your way this week as we get closer and closer to that college basketball season so hit that subscribe button on youtube if you have not done so yet follow along on twitter subscribe to the discord channel once again the link is posted in the show notes so you can do that there also go check out scorezagscore.com for more written updates about the gonzaga bulldogs thank you so much for listening and until next time as always go zags